We, we are grateful to the Lord for this very, very special day. And because this is Mother's Day, May 8th, 2016, I believe it is therefore more than appropriate to honor those whose title and function it is to serve as a mother. Mother's Day 2016 is also very significant to me personally because it's not only an opportunity to express my appreciation to my own mother, but also and very especially to honor the mother of my eight children, my wife Beth. And I think it's even more significant for us today as a couple because in just two days from now, on Tuesday, May 10th, Exactly 30 years ago to the day, Beth and I had our first ever date. And later on this year, we'll be celebrating our 30th wedding anniversary as well. And so that's been very, very special. You were so kind in January to give us a gift of the opportunity to go and spend a little bit of time at the Ojai Valley Inn and Spa. And we did that this past week. And it was wonderful to reflect on 30 years of being together And uh, it was a wonderful, wonderful time. Thank you so very much for giving us those days together. It was uh, relaxing and refreshing. And my wife was totally pampered (laughs) by all of the amenities that they have up there. While while she was being uh, primped and pampered, I was enjoying reading in my room. (laughs) That is my joy. And had uh, just a wonderful time, and, and I want us to know that in this significant day of Mother's Day, uh, it's, it's not just mothers who we're celebrating, it's, it's all ladies, to be honest. As I think about all of you ladies, I'm so thankful to God for you. Uh, so whether we're talking about honoring all past, present, and even future among, uh, mothers among us, all of us, male or female for that matter, are to rejoice in God's goodness because we derive our very birth from the womb of our mothers. And that is surely something to express our great thanks to the Lord for and for which we want to honor our mothers. I think it's wise for a celebration like today, mainly because of the fundamental and strategic place that mothers play in our society, And I think even more so because of the ravages of what culture is doing today to the sexes, male and female, and all of the gender confusion which uh, is in our own day. And so we want today to honor mothers and to honor all of our ladies, would-be mothers, uh, single women, uh, married ladies uh, who have no children, and may in the providence of God not have children. Uh, We know that uh, in God's good plan and purpose, we are trusting Him with our lives. And even if you've longed to have a a child and be a mother, and you have not been uh, seeing the Lord like Hannah had prayed so fervently to the Lord, and uh, it's possible that 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 day may come for you in God's good providence, it may not be possible uh, for whatever reason in terms of the Lord's gifting of you, the Lord's providence in your life. So I don't want to in any way speak of mothering and hurt anyone, uh, damage them in any way. Uh, That's why we really are so thankful for ladies in general and for the self-sacrifice that you make, including those who are ladies who have never borne children or may never bear children, because you are a gift to the kingdom in so many other ways. And I thank God for those who are coming alongside and have our family for years and years, who are ladies who will never bear children. And they've been a special gift to us in so many ways. And so with these thoughts in mind, I want us to honor the females and especially the mothers that greatly impact us in this message today. And by the way, this message is not in any way to, uh, to depreciate the men among us. Uh, maybe we'll have a Father's Day message uh, in June. Uh, to give us our due, which is small and meager, I admit, by comparison. But we do want to focus, I think, appropriately on these days. These, of course, are human inventions, uh, Mother's Day as we celebrate it, Father's Day, uh, Valentine's Day, uh, other, other celebrations are clearly man-conceived, but I think they serve a purpose 
in the grand plan of God. And I want today uh, for us to study 10 biblical reasons why we should honor mothers. It's a biblical idea. So whether we're talking about explicit scripture, which speaks of such, or implicitly what the scripture implies in certain contexts, we want to be able to rejoice in motherhood today. And I'm going to be going fast. Uh, Some of you will only want to look at the passages of Scripture that we go to. Others of you will want to write the principles down about why we should honor our mothers as we do. Or some of you might want to just write down the Scripture and look and meditate upon them later. So whichever is the case with you, I don't want to frustrate you by going fast, but I want us to look at these 10 reasons because I want to be like a fire hose upon your heart. I want you to know that the Scripture speaks very, very clearly and poignantly and pointedly at the concept of what it means to be a mother. And I want you to see all that Scripture has to say about that. We certainly can't look at everything, but I do want us to look at several passages of Scripture. You might be frustrated at writing these down, but I want you to get them as much as you can possibly do. And the first one is this. Number one, first of the ten reasons, we should honor mothers because it is expressly commanded in the Word of God. That's the first and foremost principle, isn't it? We should honor mothers because it is expressly commanded in the Word of God. You know, of course, the fifth commandment, Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. What does it say? Honor your father and your mother. It's, it's a part of the very ten words of God, the Ten Commandments. You know, reiterated in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 16 as well, when the law was read or formulated as a, a second opportunity for the Israelites to understand the importance of God's commandments. And if, in fact, there are only ten words of God in the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments, And one of those ten is to honor your father and mother. How important is that? Vitally, vitally important. In fact, turn in your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 27. Deuteronomy 27. And you will see the vital nature of our expressed command from God to honor our fathers and our mothers. Deuteronomy chapter 27. 27. Even if some of these passages are seen from the negative vein, what happens when you don't honor your father and your mother? Deuteronomy chapter 27, verse 16. Deuteronomy 27, 16. Let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, appoint a man over the congregation who shall go out before them and come in before them, who shall lead them out and bring them in, that the congregation of the Lord may be as sheep that have no shepherd. Now this is, this is the sense of God commanding that there be shepherds among them. In verse 18 says, The Lord said to Moses, Take Joshua the son of Nun, a man in whom is the Spirit, and lay your hand on him. Make him stand before Eleazar the priest and all the congregation, and you shall commission him in their sight. You shall invest him with some of your authority, that all the congregation of the people of Israel may obey. That's a key word there, obey. We're talking about in the Decalogue the responsibility to proclaim through these shepherds what God commands. And He commands in Exodus 20, and He commands in Deuteronomy chapter 5, this very key idea, you must obey. And as I said, these are one of the ten words, one of the ten commandments, to honor your father and your mother. There would therefore be then very serious consequences if this was not to occur. And those very serious consequences are also given to us in the Pentateuch, the first five books of Moses. Look at Exodus chapter 21. Exodus chapter 21, verse 15. Here are the negative consequences. Exodus 21, 15. Whoever strikes his father or his mother shall what? Be put to death. death. That's how serious this is you have someone who's not only not respecting from the positive side, but who is actually disrespecting in a major affront to his parents. The Old Testament law said, 
you shall put him to death. In other words, this rebellious child, the one who is disrespecting his parents, and this, I assume, is not just some one-time act, although that would be enough, I suppose, but a repeated disrespect and a rebellious child is to receive death. Look at verse 17. Whoever curses his father or his mother shall be put to death. It's a very, very serious thing. These are the words of the living God. Look at Leviticus. Leviticus chapter 20. Leviticus 20. Verse 9. For anyone who curses his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. He has cursed his father or his mother. His blood is upon him. Deuteronomy chapter 21. The reiteration of the law. Deuteronomy chapter 21 verse 18. Remember that context of this obedience that we're talking about. Moses, Joshua, the son of Nun. They're calling upon the Israelites to obey. There are these under-shepherds, Moses their leader, Joshua their leader, and they're reiterating over and over and over again the command to honor your father and your mother. Deuteronomy chapter 21, verse 18. If a man has a stubborn and rebellious son who will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother, and though they discipline him will not listen to them, then his father and his mother shall take hold of him and bring him out to the elders of his city at the gate of the place where he lives. You recognize it's not a vigilanteism on the part of the father or the mother themselves. They actually bring them to the authorities, to the elders, and they shall say to the elders of his city, this our son is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey our voice. He is a glutton and a drunkard. Then all the men of the city shall stone him to death with stones. So you shall purge the evil from your midst, and all Israel shall hear and fear. Hearing, that, that great Shema of, of Deuteronomy 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. This is something that they are to hear. Shema, hear. Hear the word of the Lord. Even that which is in those negative contexts. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 20. Again, even from positive contexts, or negative context, we hear the word of the Lord. We are to honor these ladies in our lives. We're to honor our mothers. Chapter 20, verse 20. If one curses his father or his mother, his lamp will be put out in utter darkness. It's a very serious word from the Lord. You say, well, what, what does that honor look like? Well, let's go through the rest of these. Number two, the number two biblical reason to honor our mothers. We should honor mothers because they are, as is mankind in general, made in the image of God. Mothers, as is all mankind, made in the image of God. In other words, you should honor your father and mother, not simply because they are your father or your mother, but because they, as human beings, as you are, as the son, as the daughter, are made in the very image of God. We should honor whose image we bear, right? Now, we don't think often about this, and it's a sad thing that that we don't. We should think about this often. We should think about the idea that even though Adam was created out of the dust of the ground and that Eve was created from one of his ribs, it is nonetheless unmistakable that God's original design was for you and for me as human beings, and in the context of our day this morning, we're talking about mothers, that we are made in the very image of God himself. We should honor those whose image we we are created in God, for God, with God and by God. Therefore, we should honor them. Look in your Bibles at Genesis 127. 127. We are created in the very image of God. It's the very first chapter of our Bibles. Genesis 127. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Look at chapter 9. Chapter 9 of the book of Genesis. This is repeated again. 
Verse 1, Genesis 9, And God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. The fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every bird of the heavens, upon everything that creeps on the ground and all the fish of the sea. Into your hand they are delivered. Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. And as I give you the green plants, I give you everything. But you shall not eat flesh with its life, that is, its blood. And for your lifeblood, here's the principle, I will require a reckoning from every beast. I will require it from man. From his fellow man, I will require a reckoning for the life of man. What's he talking about here, this reckoning? He's saying, because I am the image in which you bear your life, your likeness, if you destroy another man, you are destroying my very image. And if you destroy that man, then your life is at stake and your life will be taken from you. Verse 6, Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For, for the purpose, for the reason, God made man in his own image. In the image of God, man is created. That's why, even as you go throughout the rest of our Old Testament, and then even in the entirety of the New Testament, there is no sense of the abrogation of capital punishment, regardless of what our society says, regardless of the fact that most of the states of our union, let alone most of the countries of the world, would say, we do not believe in capital punishment. Genesis 9 is there, and it's never been abrogated. By Man shall man's blood be shed. Why? Because if you destroy man, then you deserve, because of the image that you bear, your own life be taken from you. It's that serious. Look at Isaiah chapter 40, verse 11. Isaiah 40. This, this idea of honoring mothers because they bear the image of God is so important. And as I alluded to the, in my prayer, it was, it was actually God himself who was the, uh, the ultimate example of, of this, this tender leading, this shepherd-like influence. And Isaiah 40.11 says this. Uh, in the New American Standard, it, it, I think, even is more well-stated. It says, Like a shepherd, he will tend his flock, speaking of God, in his arm he will gather the lambs and carry them in his bosom. He will gently lead the nursing ewes. And if we replicate God's image as a tender, loving person, we're actually living out His image-bearing, aren't we? If, if God is said to be this, this shepherd who's tending His flock by His arm, that means by His strength, He gathers the lambs, He carries them in His bosom, He will gently lead the nursing ewes, you see that replicated in the lives of wonderful women. They, they bear God's image by doing these very things especially carrying these little ones and leading them gently, these nursing ewes. We, we bear the image of God. And if that's what's said about Him, and if that's what's replicated in the lives of our women, we ought to honor them because they bear the image of God. They bear the very image of that which is pictured by God Himself and what He's doing. Look at Isaiah 66. Isaiah 66. This is the future kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. And in Isaiah 66, verse 10, it talks about nursing mothers are pictured here as the very image bearers of God. This is, this is a wonderful picture of, of who the Lord is and what He requires and, and who He is. And this is true of us. This is so very true. And especially of mothers. This is a tremendous picture Look at Isaiah 66.10. We'll begin there. Rejoice with Jerusalem. This is what God is going to do through the Lord Jesus Christ in the end of our time in the millennial kingdom. Rejoice with Jerusalem and be glad for her, all you who love her. Rejoice with her in joy, all you who mourn over her, that you may nurse and be satisfied. Here's the picture of God. Here's the picture of Christ, that you may nurse and be satisfied from her consoling breast that you may drink deeply with delight from her glorious abundance. He's talking about Jerusalem, God's holy city. 
And what God will do when he reforms, remakes, refashions Jerusalem as that place where his kingdom citizens go to receive their refreshment. It's a beautiful picture. It goes on to say in verse 12, For thus says the Lord, Behold, I will extend peace to her like a river, speaking of Jerusalem, and the glory of the nations like an overflowing stream, and you shall nurse. You shall be carried upon her hip and bounced upon her knees. Isn't that so wonderful? What a picture. It's like Jerusalem being this holy city. It's been remade. There's no, there's no sin there. It's the kingdom of light with no darkness. There's no tears. God is going to do what He does, even though there will be those born to those kingdom citizens who themselves will at times become sinful and will be judged at the end of that time. But what is Christ doing when He's reigning and ruling in Jerusalem as the King of Israel? He's that one who will bring to this place a nursing and a tender caring, even having, as it were, His kingdom citizens upon His own hip, bouncing His citizens upon His knees. Verse 13, As one whom his mother comforts, so I will comfort you. You shall be comforted in Jerusalem. What a picture. And you know, we wouldn't know anything about this if we didn't know what mothers do. We wouldn't know a thing about this. But when you and I see the pictures of what our mothers do when they take those little ones in the very hip that is unique to moms, and they nurse these children, and they care for these children, And they bounce these children on their knees. I've seen it so many times. I saw it eight times myself, and I'm now seeing it with grandchildren. Just that sense of the joy of a mom's heart. Maybe you've heard my daughter Lauren say with their new little one, Quinn May, I could just stare at her for hours. This This is the picture that we get. And it's the reason why we want to honor mothers today, because we bear the image of God. We should honor them because the Decalogue says. And because of that very image bearing, it's the opportunity to see that the very image we bear is of God who does the same thing to his spiritual children. We see the very picture of it. We see it lived out in human mothering, and we see it with what God does for us. Beautiful picture. Remember in Galatians 4.19, Paul says, even in the pain of labor and delivery. I'm in labor pains until Christ is fully formed in you. You and I don't even know what that means unless we've seen that. And you mothers, you've actually experienced it. The pain of labor and delivery. And you know what Paul means when he talks about this this travail of his soul where he says, I want you to be fully formed. I want you to be birthed. And I want you to grow to maturity. You ladies know what that means. You, you, you bear the image of God and you want to bear the illustration of the very thing that God embodies and illustrates. 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7. We should not worry about anything. We should cast our cares upon Him for He what? He cares for us. He cares for us. Sure He does. And He cares for us Because He is that tender, tender God. And when we see women in our society who are godly and righteous and they bear the very image of God and they are the living illustration of the picture of God Himself when He cares for His spiritual children as you care for your children, it's an unmistakable connection. Number three, number three, we should honor mothers because that very honoring was perfectly exemplified in Jesus Christ. That that very honoring that we're talking about today is perfectly exemplified in the person of Jesus Christ. Do you remember in John chapter 2, at the wedding in Cana of Galilee, when Jesus' mother Mary asked him to do something? You say, yeah. Well, he actually said, woman, my hour's not yet come. But what did he do? He turned around, evaluated the moment, and he actually did respond to his mother's request. Now, there were many, many purposes for that, and we talked about that when we talked about John 2 in our study, but the bottom line is this. He loved his mother. In fact, what happens in John 19? Jesus is on the cross, and you know one of the very words of the seven words of the Savior on the cross 
was he looked at John the Apostle, the very one who wrote the book of John, and he looked at his mother, and he talked to his mother while he was on the cross, not thinking about himself, and then he turned to John the Apostle, and he said, Behold, what? Your mother. In other words, take care of her. I mean, what a perfect exemplification. We we ought to honor mothers because Jesus himself, while dying on the cross, was concerned about his own mother. And he says to his beloved friend, the one in whom he loved, John, the one who supped with him at his breast, he shall be my mother's son who will care for him now. What a tender picture. That's number three. Number four. Number four. We should honor mothers, for from them we derive our own birth. I alluded to that, didn't I? We derive our own birth from our mothers. In Genesis chapter 3, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 20, there's an amazing statement. The man, that's Adam, called his wife's name Eve. Eve sounds like the Hebrew for the word life giver. It sounds a lot like that, life giver. And he called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. Now, what a special designation. Can you imagine the joy of the heart of that woman? Even though there's pain in childbirth, even though that's true, and it's true of that day up to our very own day, But can you imagine the joy of this woman's heart to be the mother of all living? What what an amazing statement. No wonder we should honor our mothers. We should honor them because from mothers, every single one of us derive our own birth. You know, I don't know that in the abortion argument, I don't know that in the, the... feminine or the feminist argument of our day, especially from unbelievers, that I've ever heard, even sometimes from Christians, when they try to argue back or respond back to the feminist agenda or to the abortion agenda, I don't know that I've ever heard the argument, wait a minute, this is wrong, this is not the way we should be, and for a number of reasons, including one that's got to be near or at the top, we derive our very birth from these ladies. This this is a huge argument in Scripture. Look at Genesis chapter 17. Genesis chapter 17. Yes, I know that the male is the primogenitor. He's the one who leads. He's the one who's first in the sense of that leadership. I, I get that. I understand that. But he wouldn't even be there if he hadn't been birthed by his mother. Chapter 17, verse 15. And God said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah. Sarah, the idea of Sarah, meaning princess. She shall be named Sarah, shall shall that be her name. Verse 16. I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall become what? nations. That's sort of a reiteration, isn't it, of the idea of Eve, the mother of all living. And now here's Sarai, who's become Sarah, Princess Sarah, and she will become nations. Ladies, you do not have some small role. Your, Your role is massive. Your role is incredible. That's why I understand when I hear, and I heard it from one of the girls in my own household just the other day, I want another baby. I understand that. Because it comes not just from your own desire, it comes from the very heart of Scripture itself. You can be the mother of others who are living. I mean, it's amazing. This is, this is massively important. No wonder there should not be abortions. Because we're talking about those who shall become mothers themselves. We're talking about those who are sons who will come from those mothers. 
You're not talking about some small thing. That's why abortion is wrong. It's murder. It shall have no place in God's kingdom. And even if it has a place now, it's for the sovereign purposes of God so that one day it might be utterly destroyed. Not just the concept, but the reality. And that's why feminism is wrong the feminist agenda is wrong because it wants to eviscerate, it wants to subtract, it wants to supplant, it wants to replace the very concept of the femininity of our culture. Our culture, my friends, is slouching toward Sodom and Gomorrah. And God has a plan and a purpose, and He's allowing evil to occur in His world. But that's not the way it was in the beginning. In the beginning, He made them male and female, and He created them, and he, and he made them in His own image. And He gives man His role, and He gives the woman her role, and her role is to be the mother of the living. She shall be nations. You want to see how important this is? Paul, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, you want to know not just from the Old Testament, but from the New Testament, how this is reiterated? This is an amazing statement from Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Look at verse 11. He's, he's talking about things in this context, practical things like the head coverings, but notice how he, how he grounds his argument. Notice 1 Corinthians 11, 11. Nevertheless, in the Lord, woman, that is generic, a generic woman, women, in the Lord, woman, is not independent of man. You know, and we hear people say, yes, amen, amen. Not independent of man. But notice this, nor man of woman. Men, you can't say you're just uh, independent of woman. You can't say, woman, you're independent of man. Man, you can't say you're independent of woman. Verse 12, for, here's his grounding, for as woman, that's generic, not women, but woman, speaking of the female sex, for as woman was made from man, we'll grant that, from the rib of Adam, yes, it's true, so man is now born of woman, and all things are from God. You see that? There's not a, there's not a man on the planet that can make his case, I'm independent of woman, I am so... Uh, leadership-oriented. I don't need a woman. I don't need women. It's the fallacy of your own argument because you were born from one. That's, that's the fallacy of it all. You have to have a view of women that is tender and nurturing and understanding. You were born from one. You say, well, my mother wasn't a kind person. So I understand that. I understand some women aren't like that. But honor her just for the very fact that you came from her womb, that you were born, that you were born alive, that you're here, that you're breathing. You can honor somebody just for that, even if they weren't the greatest picture of womanhood, the greatest picture of motherhood. You are not independent of women. You came from one. Number five. Number five. We should honor Redeemed mothers, especially because of their example of submission. I mean, here they are, the mother of all living, the mother of nations. Every time a woman gives birth to a child, whether it's a man or a woman, it's the sense of their role, it's the sense of their life, it's the sense of their duty, it's a sense of their devotion, it's a sense of their delight. And when they are a redeemed woman who gives birth, it's all the more reason to honor them because they live out their submission. They live out their role. Maybe that's because we have the feminist argument, the feminist agenda today. Because there are those women who, unredeemed, non-Christians, unbelievers, who say, I will not submit to any man. I will not submit to anyone. And that's why we ought to honor especially those mothers who are believing mothers regenerate mothers, loving, gracious, salvation-granted mothers because they choose to submit to God and to their husbands and we should honor them for that. You say, where, does that, where is that taught in the Bible? Look at Colossians chapter 3. You know this. You know this so very well. Colossians chapter 3. 
This is what this is what God calls us to. Of course, we know Ephesians five. We've studied that chapter three, verse eighteen. Wives, submit to your husbands, as is fitting in the Lord. Titus chapter two. Titus two. This is this is what the Word of God says. Titus two five. Women are to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to their own husbands. You know, ladies, that if you are submissive in your home as a wife to your husband, your children will see that and they will rise up one day. Even if they don't do it as little kids, they will rise up one day and call you blessed because they saw the submissive relationship that you have with your husband and they will say, I aspire to be that way, especially those girls. I aspire to be that way. And those boys will inevitably, if they're understanding and if they're intelligent and if they're godly, they'll say, I want to marry someone just like my mom. I want to marry someone just like my mom. Look at First Timothy chapter 2, verse 11. And of course, this is, in, this is in the context, my friends, of those who... Are, are spoken of there as their very role in life. 1 Timothy 2 talks about women and how they should conduct themselves and how they should dress. And verse 11 says, Let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. We should honor the women who are choosing as an act of their will to be submissive. Submissive to their government, Submissive to their elders in a local church context. Submissive to their husbands. That is no small duty. It's no small command. And when a woman is doing it, even if there are fits and starts, even if it's sometimes three steps forward and two steps back, when you are a submissive woman, a submissive mother, a person who is leading her children under the submissive leadership of her husband, you are showing a watching world your role. You're showing who you are, and you should be honored for that. Speaking of Sarai, look at 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 4. But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is in God's sight is very precious, So precious in God's sight is this gentle and quiet spirit. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Yes, and the husband has his role and he's spoken about in verse 7. The wife who's gentle in spirit, quiet in heart, submissive in attitude and actions, she's going to be praised. These redeemed mothers among us, they are our heroes in a sense because they're voluntarily choosing to submit themselves to the will of another, their husband and through their husband to the Lord. The Lord Jesus submitted himself to the plan of the Father. Women are submitting themselves to their husbands. They ought to be honored for that. Number six, Number six, we should honor Christian mothers because we receive biblical wisdom and instruction from them. We receive biblical instruction and wisdom from them. Therefore, we ought to honor them. I mean, the, the untold amount of hours, the untold wisdom and instruction that is bequeathed to you and me from a godly mother. You say, well, I didn't have a godly mother. I didn't have that. God knows that. And it could be, and it very likely is, and it certainly is in my case, that you have to learn from someone else. You have to see other godly women in your life, and of course other godly men. And you will have at least the picture, even if you didn't have it in reality, in your situation. But oh boy, if you did have that in your situation, honor your mother today. Honor your mother today because of what you're receiving. There are young men in the audience. There are young women in the audience. You as a congregation ought to pick up that phone if you haven't already. If you live near her, you ought to go today. 
You ought to say, thank you, mom. Thank you, Christian mom, for giving me such wisdom and instruction. You know the book of Proverbs? You write these down. Proverbs 1, 8 and 9. Proverbs 1, 8 and 9. Proverbs 6, 20 to 24. Proverbs 10, 1. Proverbs 10, 1. Proverbs 15, 20. Proverbs 15, 20. Proverbs 17, 25. 17, 25. Proverbs 19, 26. Proverbs 20, verse 7. And also verse 11. And Proverbs 31, of course, that noble woman. Verse 26 and verse 28. Proverbs 31, verse 26 and 28. Just this afternoon, tonight before you pillow your head, read those passages. And in every one of those passages, either explicitly or implicitly, it says this, do not depart from the teaching of your mother. Now, of course, it does say from your father. But I think it's wonderful that it doesn't just say the father. It says your father and your mother. Thank God for any of you who had Christian mothers who nurtured you and taught you and gave you biblical wisdom. You ought to thank God for her. Number seven. Number seven. You should honor mothers because of their undying love and affection for their children. For their undying love and affection for their children. You don't have to turn there, but listen to Titus chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. I spoke a little bit about it earlier. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good And so train the young women to do this, to love their husbands and to love their children. And you know, when you have a godly representation of the heart of God in the love and affection for children to teach them, to teach them biblical truth, you have got a mom out of this world. Almost quite literally speaking. Your mother, who is that godly mother, deserves this honor because she loves you to the ultimate because she wants to bequeath the truth of the Word of God into your heart and your soul. By God's grace, by God's sovereign design, to be sure. But that affection, that love, it's not just a a love of regard. It's not just the love of DNA. It's the love of a biblical mom who wants to impart that biblical truth to that child so that that child ultimately, by God's grace and sovereign design, would become a biblical person. We ought to honor our mothers for this sake. We ought to honor them. Psalm 113. I love this. Psalm 113, starting in verse 9 and then verse, or starting in verse 5 and then to verse 9. This is what it says. Who is like our God who is seated on high, that's verse 5, verse 9, he gives the barren woman a home, making her the joyous mother of children. I know some of you might be unable to bear children. And you would still want to do that. And if God allows you, you will, just like Hannah. But if God doesn't have that in his plan or purpose, you can serve him nonetheless. He's actually giving you a special opportunity to serve Him in a very unique way. And in that barrenness, if you ask the Lord and He gives you those children, this kind of tender affection, this longing, this hope that God has given you, you should honor the Lord just like Hannah did because He's given you a son to love and to be affectionate toward. You say, well, wait a minute. What we read today about Hannah was that after she weaned the boy, and we assume maybe a year, year and a half or so, something like that, or maybe just a little bit more, whatever that particular age of the child, we don't know, Samuel, the boy Samuel, she actually gave him away. And you say, I couldn't do that. I couldn't do that. But what was her motive? She, She asked the Lord for a child, and when the Lord gave her a child, she said, if you give me that baby, if you give me that boy, I will serve you by giving him back to you. I think that is such a beautiful picture 
of a woman who doesn't just want to have a child for her own reasons, for her own selfish purposes. She said, if you give me a boy, I will immediately give him back to you when he's healthy to do so. What a picture of a tender, affectionate mom who wants to be a mom for the right reasons. Because she wanted this boy to grow up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And of course, Samuel in so many ways did that. He sinned against the Lord, but by the same token, he did so many righteous things in the sight of the Lord, and God honored him. And I suspect that a part of that was in those early years especially, that mom was tender and affectionate toward that child. Proverbs 23, 22. Proverbs 23, 22. This is, this is how you and I can be. Proverbs 23, 22. Listen to your father who gave you life and do not despise your mother when she is old. Why? Because she gave you life because she gave you teaching, because she imparted to you wisdom. And there's probably no more sad reality in the heart of a mom than with a wayward child. From a Christian mom, from a believing lady. Because all of that, all of that instruction, all of that wisdom, all of that love, all of that affection that you gave that child, and now the child is dishonoring the very one whose image we bear. That that is a pain. And that's why, again, the Apostle John speaks about, I have no greater joy than this, than to see my, my children, my spiritual children, right? Walking in the what? In the truth. Boy, you want your physical children to become your spiritual children, right? That's what you want. So no greater pain when they despise their mother and when they reject what their mother has taught them, but no greater joy, no greater joy than to be able to have a son or a daughter who says, as a result of what I was given, as a result of the legacy of the teaching and the the godliness of my parents, I want to live for Jesus Christ all my days. All my days. Number eight. Number eight. We should honor believing moms because of the example of their trust in God. Look at, a, look at Hebrews chapter 11. And that, that Sarai, who became Sarah, the princess. Yes, she did laugh at the Lord. Yes, there were consequences. But she ultimately persevered, and she ultimately did become the mother of nations. And it is that mothering and that desire that was rooted and grounded in her what? In her faith. Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11.11. 11. Sarah is listed in the hall of faith. We read from 1 Peter about Sarah. We read about Hannah and her total commitment to trusting the Lord. We should honor our believing moms because of their example of trust in God, their faith. I suspect, my friends, that heaven will bear out the truth of the number of people who are there from the human level, I grant you, but from the human level who were there largely through the prayers of their mother. Is that not so? That they are largely there. Yes, they have to repent. Yes, they have to place their faith in Christ. Yes, there's a sovereign God. Yes, there's the doctrine of election. But on the human level, if the Apostle Paul can be as strong in the sovereignty of God as he was, and he can still say, pray for me, because he believed those prayers were efficacious, then I believe that heaven will unroll the, the very embodiment of a prayerful mom like Hannah and of a prayerful mom, mom like Sarai and prayerful moms like you for which those prayers were efficacious from the heart of God and the redemption of those children. That's a part of it. That's not the only part of it, but that's a part of it. There's no question about that. Their trust in God. Number nine, we should honor godly mothers because of their humble and tender service. Yes, they're humble and tender service. You know, in 1 Thessalonians 2, where Paul talks about, I wanted to come alongside you as an imploring father and a tender mother. How do we know that unless we see tender mothers? Unless we see them tenderly nursing and caring for their own. 1 Timothy 2, 9 to 15. 1 Timothy 2, 9 to 15. That's, that's the very passage that I only quoted from 
just one verse that says that it is the very role of a mother this is uh, of a woman this is this is your role in life to be a mother and countless women have fulfilled that role to the glory of God with self-control self-restraint with godliness with virtue and we should honor them for their humble tender service their role and number 10 number 10 we should honor mothers because in doing so we ourselves will be blessed we'll be blessed you honor your mother and father and you'll be blessed isn't that what Ephesians 6 says you honor your father and mother and it says this is the first of those ten commandments with a promise and the promise is that you will live long in the land in other words you'll prosper the Lord will give you a prospering life that's why the Decalogue says it in, in Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5. And that's why it says it in the New Testament, reiterating from Paul's own pen, Ephesians chapter 6, that you will receive a blessing if you honor your mother and your father. The, these are only 10 reasons. There are many more. And yet our time is gone. Now let's do this. We will, in a moment have Brian Ward come up and pray to conclude our service. But before we do, we have a little special thing that we want to show you and that you can listen to. So if the men will... And, and as they do that, I saw some babies coming in in the back. Can somebody go and, and have everybody come so that we can make sure? Because some of the ladies that we need to bless are the ladies who regularly come and serve in the nursery, right? So we want to bring them. I saw them come, and I think... They pushed on the, pulled on the door there and it looked like it was locked to them and then I saw them leave. So let's make sure that before we start that we can have the, everybody come, all right? All night with a screaming baby You run all day at the speed of life And every day you feel a little bit less Like the beautiful woman you are So you fall in the bed when you run out of eyes
this way So many little things that seem to go unnoticed They're just like the drops of rain over time They become a river and you, you are changing Please join me. Dear Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for the, for the celebration of our mothers today. and Lord, we're so thankful that you are a righteous God and that you lead us in the way of truth. Lord, as we go our way today, we, we pray, Lord, that we will be examples of your love, bring honor and glory to you and all that we say and do. Thank you, Father, for this wonderful congregation. And, Lord, bring us all back here tonight as we glorify and and praise your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There is a liar and the devil's a thief. He keeps creeping in, whispering. You're not man enough to make it. You're not tough enough to take it.
Smart.